What's really awesome, you guys, is that God is the same God today. And it's stories like this where you see that he's still working and he's still weaving stories together. And I remember the first time that Sally came in and sat down in my office and shared with me this burden and this just thing that was burning inside of her. I'm like, man, you go figure out what that's all about and, and discover what that is. And then she comes back and, and as the story unfolds, and then we find out that Ladd and Crystal, right, are coming from the same place that she feels led to go. The first trip that Sally, just on her own, discovered an organization to go with is the organization Children's Hope Chest, who we have actually partnered with in the past. And, I, and, and we didn't put that together for her. She did. It was just, it was just crazy. And then she comes back and she starts talking with other, other people. And then you have Dave and LeMay who shared with us recently, uh, just a few months ago here, about their passion for three for five and how their passion fits in perfectly with the needs that are in Swaziland. I mean, eventually Sally came again to my office and she told me all the stories and the touch points and the people. And man, when that stuff starts happening, your antennas go up. Can I just encourage you? If you're looking for God and you're wondering, how can I know if this is God's will or how can I know if God wants me to do something? What's really cool is he always works inside of you and then he always works outside of you. And we have seen so many touch points of God's fingerprint all over this thing that today we are announcing to you that K2's next global partnership is going to be with Children's Hope Chest in a ministry to Ekadnezi. Did I say that right? Close. <laughs> Ekagnesia uh, into, into Swaziland. The shirt actually says, uh, hard to say, easy to love. Okay. So, which is a perfect way to put it on the back. But you guys, um, and we're really excited about the clarity that God has given us to say, you know what? Your long-term partnership here is going to be in this town and in this country. And uh, just like we have our long-term partnership with Honduras and Tegucigalpa. You know, we've been, we've been working with that church and continuing to work with them. We're just, we love the partnership. We love the ministry that's happened there. And we've actually, as you know, we've been looking for another partnership. We had one years ago that actually was with Children's Hope Chest in Russia. How many of you guys remember our partnership in Russia? Okay. And so, but some things happened politically in Russia where the government kind of stepped in and said, hey, what you guys are doing in there, we don't want you to do anymore. And so we had to stop that and begin to see what else should we be doing. Um, Eric and I went to Ethiopia, and, and we've been checking out the possibility, and then we actually sent a team to Ethiopia to see if that could be our next partnership. And I actually want to celebrate with you what's happened in Ethiopia is that we have actually financially been able to help this, this seminary develop 25 students who finished their master degrees and are now totally equipped, both theologically and equipped in how to move into their villages and make a difference. It's, it's fantastic. And there's a whole nother 25 students who are going to come in. And we actually really believe in what's going on there. And so we're going to continue to support them financially. But what we learned was that's, you, that's about the best way that we can help as a church. And that's not what we were looking for. We were looking for something where all of us in the church can be involved in a partnership, just like you can be involved in Tegucigalpa down in Honduras. 
And, and that's why we're partnering with Children's Hope Chess. And we're going to share with you more today about the, the opportunities that are happening in, in Swaziland. And I'm really excited uh, uh, to introduce you, Mr. Tom Davis. Uh, Tom is the CEO of, of Children's Hope Chest. And I'll be honest, one of the main reasons we're most excited is our relationship with him. And he's going to share with you today the heart behind this organization, which will help you to know why we want to partner with them and why we're joining with such a great team. You're going to meet some of their other people who are out in the parking lot today. What a fantastic team. It's a, they're just a great group of people who've got their act together. So Tom, come on up here. Give Tom a warm welcome this morning as he joins with us. Thank you. Hey, good morning, K2. It is great to be back with you. It's been a few years and, and so many things have changed at, at Children's Hope Chess and with what we're doing. But you know what I love? I love when a God thing happens. When there's so many different uh, people and God's speaking to this person and that person and it all converges and it's all about you and it's about him releasing his kingdom. And to think that a church here in, in the middle of Salt Lake can have such a profound impact by literally embracing this community and church in Swaziland and the two become one is unbelievable. And so um, I'm just excited to share it with you this morning because I've been, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And, and to just tell you a little bit about, about my background and how I got involved in this whole orphan thing, um, I thought that pastoral staff stuff would be my calling all my life. I was a youth pastor in Dallas, Texas. Any Texans in here? Texans. See, you know, everywhere I go, if you say Texas, Texas, like, woohoo! Very proud, very proud. Dave, you should try that when you speak somewhere and ask Utah people if it works that way, too. Um, but yeah, so, so here we were, and I, I had a great youth group. I mean, my wife and I were newly married. We, were, um, we got married in our early 20s, and, and I was in seminary, and I started looking in the Bible and seeing all of these scriptures about how much God cares about the poor. And we were in a pretty affluent, you know, North Dallas suburb. And, and I'm, I'm seeing verse after verse, verses like James 1.27 that says, pure and undefiled religion is caring for widows and orphans in their distress. And I thought, well, goodness, I mean, you know, I, we were in seminary, so we're looking up the Greek and I'm seeing it means exactly what it says. And, and it, it said to me, you know, every person who's a Christ follower has to have some reflection of what it looks like to take care of widows and orphans in their life. I mean, God cares about that very deeply. You start seeing that over and over in the scripture. There's now a, you know, there's a, a Bible for everything. I'm from Colorado, so we've got, you know, the tree hugger Bible there. And, and uh, of course, you know, our city almost burned down very tragically recently. And thank God there was literally, I mean, I, I was telling last night some of the leadership that, that there was no rain predicted in the forecast whatsoever in Colorado. And then after those fires hit and burned the homes, um, we, we got up one morning and all of a sudden there was a little rain in the forecast and then a little more the next day. And then the next day it dumped 252 million gallons on the fire area, which eventually put it out. Thank God. So our city is still okay. Um, but then, you know, there's a, a, the new Bible is the poverty and justice Bible. So it's got all of the scriptures on poverty and justice highlighted. And there are over 2,500 verses that deal with issues of poverty and justice. And so I knew God wanted us to take this seriously. And so I, I looked around. I didn't know much about orphans. I didn't know how do you care for them. I, I mean, maybe we can find some widows. And we started trying to start some ministries, but felt compelled to go to Russia, actually, in, in 1997. And that was when God taught me one of the greatest lessons that I've ever learned in my life on, on the airplane. Um, my wife actually was born in Utah, in Ogden, Utah, not far from here. It's Ogden. Yeah. See? 
All right, like Texas. And so uh, she tragically, it's a long story. Maybe I'll share that one time coming, coming uh, back. But she was orphaned as a, as a young child, her and her other five siblings. And so we're on the plane. We have a new, new son who's at that point eight months old. He's now 15, six foot two. I mean, this big, humongous kid. But at that point, just a little tyke. And we are, we're on the airplane. And, you know, we've been studying about what's going on. And, and any, anything that happens to orphans is tragic. Uh, I mean, if you come from a broken home like me, you understand a little bit of that, right? I mean, depending on what you went through or if you know somebody who went through that. I mean, it's the abandonment issues, um, whether your parents died tragically or they just left you. And then you end up on the lower scale of society. I mean, all of the bad statistics happen to you as an orphan. It, it, it's just true. Whether that's opportunity or, or tragically trafficking, orphans are targeted for trafficking. It happens in Swaziland. Um, you know, you make decisions, and you, we see this way too much of the time in Swaziland, where, have you ever heard of the term head of household orphan? Um, it, it, what it means is, they're all over Swaziland, is that both of your primary, your, your caregivers die, your parents. And the oldest child, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, becomes the primary caregiver now. That's called the a head of the household orphan. And in a place like Swaziland where it's so poor and there's literally no food and it's dry and it's desolate and the needs are already great and then you get put that put on top of you, it becomes really tragic. And unfortunately, girls and boys have to make the decision sometimes of how they're going to feed their family and the decision becomes, do I sell my body so that my siblings can have food or let them starve? That's reality. That's not TV. That is reality. And so what happens to orphans is, is, is just, without someone stepping in, is, is very horrible. And God cares about that. And it's why he motivates people like you all at K2 to do something to make a difference in the lives of those orphans. He loves them. He, he created them. He cares. He's a father to the fatherless, it says in Psalm 68. So anyway, the great lesson that I learned as a young married, married man, is that my, my wife's holding our baby and we're over there. And, and, you know, throughout the course of my life, I've heard what the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like. You know what I'm saying? You know, sometimes it's that still small voice where God speaks to you in your heart. And, and uh, sometimes, you know, you open up the word of God and a scripture will just stand out to you. I mean, in, in Hebrews 4, it says the word of God is alive and active. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's something that's growing and it's, it's going to speak to you. Sometimes it's like that. Um, but um, I found out that more times than not in my life that the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds a lot like the voice of my wife. <laughs> Many times. I, I, I think it was the Garden of Eden thing. It's true. Ask any husband who's been married for a while. And if you're newly married or not married, you'll get it one day. It, it, but it's true. And so what she says to me on the plane, when she's holding our baby boy, she said, you know, honey, I, I'm going I'm to see all these orphans and my heart's just going to be broken. And because of what happened to me, I'm just going to be really connected with this. And I'm going to see them. I'm just going to want to adopt one. And I said what any rational husband would say. I said, honey, are you nuts? Why would we adopt? We're 22 and 26 years old. We can make babies, see? And, and we have our whole lives ahead of us. She said, well, I just, I just feel like this is what God's put on my heart. So we get to this camp, 150 orphans in Russia. And I come down the stairs and my wife is there with this little beautiful Russian girl, almond brown eyes, brown hair, so cute. And my wife is holding her hand in one hand and in the other hand, a freshly picked bouquet of Russian wildflowers. 
And I looked at that, and my mind went back to the airplane. I thought, oh, I'm in trouble. And so this little girl, Anya, we just fell in love with. She introduced her to me, and, and we started to hear her story and thought, you know what? This little girl needs to be part of our family. And so we adopted her. We now have two daughters that are from Russia. They're both married, and my wife and I are in this very elite club. It's really difficult to get into. It's called being a grandparent in your 30s. So because of adoption, that's what happened to us. And then we have five other biological kids, so seven total. So that was, that was our road. I mean, that's how it started for us. And maybe God's calling you to adoption. I don't know what he's calling you to, but he's certainly calling you to care for orphans. And that's what today is about. There, I, I firmly believe with my whole heart, there is something in this for every single one of you. To connect, you have different talents and abilities. Some of you are business people. Some of you have, have, have incredible visions God's already given you that you can apply in Swazi. And K2 is going to make that easy for you. But I, I want to talk this morning about why, why does God care so much about this? I mean, what is it? Is it just charity that we're supposed to do? Is it alms giving to the poor? Or is there something more connected as far as the kingdom of God is concerned with why he wants us involved? And throughout scripture, what you see Jesus do over and over is he tries to invite us to a different world, a different way of living, a more exciting way, a more fulfilling way of living. And if you look at every parable and every teaching that he did, It was really an invitation to do that, wasn't it? It was a way that he tried to get us out of our routine of life, out of the normal complacent things that we all all get caught up in, that we all have to do, and into his kingdom so that we can see the world the way he sees it completely different. That's why I entitled this Seeing What God Sees. And so one of my favorite uh, poets is a guy named William Blake. And he, he wrote this this incredible poem, and there's this stanza that, that, that that he wrote. I want to read to you. It says this, this life's dim windows of the soul distorts the heavens from pole to pole and leads you to believe a lie when you see with and not through the eye. You know, it's kind of this idea of if I had this big telescope that was sitting up on the stage and you are looking at it, you go, wow, that's a beautiful telescope. It's, you know, inlaid with all of this wood. It's got brass fittings. And I mean, someone really took the time to make it. It's an amazing thing. And if all you did was look at that with your eye, you would never understand what the telescope is for. You'd have to actually get down on your knee and look through the telescope to see the majesty that it can reveal and the reason that it was created. This is God's invitation to us to step out of the normal things, the the way that life kind of takes the things in our life and it distorts it. And it tells us that, you know what? The the spiritual things aren't really as important as you think. But Jesus says, no, it's the kingdom that matters. I'm coming to give you an invitation into something that's so much more meaningful, so much more deep, and it goes on and on for eternity. And these are the things that he cares about. And there there was this this one thing that happened in the Old Testament. These, these types of occurrences occurred a lot. They were when God said to the children of Israel, listen, I am going to bless you unbelievably. And there's going to be things I'm going to do in your life. And there's going to be, uh, you're going to be my example to the nations, but I want you to do some things for me. I want you to care for the weak. I want you to make sure that injustice and those kind of things don't exist in your community. And sure enough, what would happen is the children of Israel would take all these blessings and they would think it was for themselves. They would think this is about, about us becoming a great nation and, and, and acquiring all of these riches and wealth. And, and God says, no, it's not what it's about at all. And then he would send a prophet to straighten it out and say, listen, you've missed the point of why I've called you together as a community. 
and he would give them a word and he would tell them the things that mattered and then they would get back on track. Well, this is what happened in Micah. And at this point, God has come to the children of Israel and said, listen, I have these things against you. You've forgotten the poor. You've forsaken them. And so the children of Israel realized the mistake, the error of their ways. And they're like, Lord, what, what do we have to do? Do we need to you know, sacrifice thousands and thousands of rams to make up for our sin? Do we have to you know, offer rivers of oil as a sacrifice? They're going way overboard. And God says, no, no, no. It's very simple, the things I want you to do. And he reveals it in Micah 6, 8. And this is what he says. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Three simple things. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, I want to talk about what each of those things mean because that is a word to each of you this morning. That what the one thing God wants from you, that he requires of you, is to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Well, what does it mean? Well, first of all, this whole idea of acting justly. You, you're going to start to see this now as you're reading privately in your, in your scripture reading time. Justice is a theme that's concurrent all throughout the Bible. Well, to act justly doesn't mean that you put a bumper sticker on your car that says, act justly, Right? Justice. Live for justice. Those of you who has a Facebook account, should be almost everybody. I saw all the Facebook stuff out there. It doesn't mean that you join a group about justice or that you put act justly on your Facebook page. No, it doesn't mean you can have someone else do it either. It means that there's something that each of us individually have to do so that justice becomes a normal part of our life, right? And what is justice? Justice, very simply, is that when you and I see things that are wrong in the world, and we have the ability to do something to make a difference in those areas, that's to act justly. It's when there's inequalities, inequities, where, where for example, somebody maybe can have a whole bunch of something and somebody else has nothing of that something, that those people are supposed to then, out of compassion, out of love, give to those people who don't have as much, right? Jesus said it very simply. For those of you who have two tunics, two coats, Give one to him who has nothing. It's that whole idea of of Christian compassion. Uh, I'll give you another example about justice. Imagine that that there was a little girl right outside the doors of K2 Church. And there was was a a river or a lake somewhere very close to here, and she was drowning. And uh, you had the power and the ability to do something to save her life, to rescue her. It was up to you. If you didn't, her life was going to be gone. But you could run out of these doors and in a very short period of time, you could, you could find that little girl and rescue her out of that situation. She wouldn't drown. You could save her life. Would you do it? Absolutely. We all would, right? That's to act justly. You, something you can do, it's in your power to make a difference and you do it. To not do it would to be the opposite of what God is saying. Well, imagine that, that, that the same little girl now is about 20 minutes away and you get a phone call from a friend who says, listen, I know you're in church, but there's this, there's this river and there's this little girl and, and she's holding onto this tree and I've got a rope and I can't save her by myself. But if you can get here, you and I can save her together. 20 minutes away, would you still do it? Absolutely. We all would. What if she was 8,000 miles away? She was in a place called Swaziland. In a country where people die from malnutrition, where they drink dirty water, as you heard earlier, as, as David and Lene were talking about, where they 
literally drink water and get microbes and they die of diarrhea, all of this stuff. When we, I think about this all the time, just me personally. When I come back from a trip like that, it's kind of an adjustment as you can imagine because I get into a shower and not only is that water hot, it's clean. And yet you see all of these people and Sally, Sally and I and, and JW is one of our board members were there at, this, at, at one of these care points. We walked to where the local people got their water. And JW is a cowboy, so he's got this cowboy hat. And we were like, where, you know, where is he going? He was trying to find the water source. All we see is this bouncing cowboy hat everywhere down the hills and mountains. And finally we found it. And it was a little stream and there were, I guess, 10 cows in the stream. And they were just having their way with the stream and people were going and getting water out of there, and that was the water that they were drinking. Now, listen, listen to me carefully, because I struggle with this a lot. This is not an issue of guilt, right? Where, you know, we've been born in a wonderful place, and that is a blessing. And maybe, you know, one of the questions we'll ask God one day is, you know, why were we born in such a great place, and there were people who were born, and so because of latitudes and longitudes, they were dying from drinking dirty water, and, and we were having the ability to have clean water out of our faucet. I don't know. But what I do know is that I can't be motivated by guilt. I have to be motivated by action. And if I can do one thing to help save someone's life, just one. I mean, if I can make some adjustments somewhere in my life to make a difference in someone else's life and live justly, it's worth it, right? It's worth it. I mean, there's people in, in, if, if $5 can provide clean water for someone for a year in Swaziland and I can buy one less coffee, it's worth it, right? That's what God means by acting justly. He cares about these things. He wants every single one of us. We nobody gets off the hook. We're all to act justly. Well, secondly, he says to, to love mercy. What, what does that mean? It's a Hebrew term that's used not only of God's response to us, but our response to others. To be people of compassion and mercy and love them and care about them, right? Uh, an example would be in Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. You remember this parable? Where Jesus was trying to teach what does it really mean to live and love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And he told the parable of the Good Samaritan. This man was beaten, left bloody on the side of the road, and a priest walked by, didn't help him. Levite walked by, doesn't help him. A Samaritan, the ones that Jews did not like, they did not care for. Here this man sees him and he, he has compassion, the Bible says. And he stops everything. Everything else that he was doing wasn't important anymore. And he takes care of this man and he puts him on a donkey and he cleans him with his oil and his wine, takes him to an inn and, and makes sure that he's okay, that he has medical attention. And he says, I'll pay for everything. Jesus said, which one of them truly loved their neighbor as themselves? In turn, loving God with their whole heart. And the answer came back, the one who had mercy on him. He said, you go and do likewise. This is what God was saying to the children of Israel. It's what he's saying to us. Walk humbly. That means to walk carefully and thoughtfully, conforming our lives into what God wants us to be. That's what it means to walk humbly. To say, I don't have all the answers, but God, when I see things that talk about living justly and to love mercy, and I look at what you're doing and I see the scriptures and I see how you did that. I mean, God, God lived so, so justly that, I mean, in a sense, he gave his life for us so that justice wouldn't, it would, it would, the things that we deserve, we wouldn't get because we would be reconciled to God. He gave everything for us and then showed how compassionate he was by loving everyone else. And so this is what God wants in our life. Jesus comes along in Matthew 23 and says the exact same thing, clarifying how important these Old Testament ideas were. He's again talking to a group of Pharisees and he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. 
For you pay your tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. What are they? Justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Well, talking about Swaziland and talking about justice issues. You heard a little bit in the beginning. This country, and I'll I'll tell you, when we opened Russia, Children's Hope Chest was nothing but a Russia-based ministry. I started to hear about Swaziland, and I heard it was the highest rate of HIV AIDS infection in the world. I started to hear that the UN said that if somebody didn't do something by the year 2050, there would be no Swazis left. When I started going to Swaziland, the population was over 1.2 million. It's not a big country. It's now declined to 900,000. Literally a race of people dying right before our eyes. And I thought, you know what? If Jesus was walking on this earth, which I do believe he does through us, right? But he would be doing something in Swaziland. Because if there's ever an issue of injustice in the world, of people who are dying from things that are preventable, treatable, it's in Swaziland. And so that's how we ended up in Swaziland. And I'll never forget, you know, I was so committed to this. I took all of my kids there one summer. We lived there for not as long as, as, as Lad and Crystal did, but we were there for six weeks. And we would just go from house to house to house, finding these, these orphans that were head of their household orphans. And we would walk in, and I remember, never forget this one little girl, Tobile. She was taking care of her younger sisters. Her Both parents had died. And we walked into this, this broken down house. It was terrible conditions, stick and mud hut. And um, there was, uh, I remember a couple cabbages in the corner, and they were totally rotten. You could smell them as soon as you came in. We asked the pastor, we said, well, why, why are they eating rotten food? They said, well, there's nothing to, to give them. So the only thing people have so that they don't starve is the rotten food, and that's what, all they have to eat. And here we come and bring this huge amount of food in because we were just sharing this, and the little girl, Tobili, 13 years old, breaks down and starts crying, bawling, sobbing uncontrollably. Like, Tobile, why, why are you crying? She said, just this morning, I was praying to my father because my father in heaven loves me so much. I said, Father, we have no food and you have to, you have to intervene. You have to help us. And I knew my father was going to take care of me. And then here you come with all this food. Faith is that real there. It's matters of life and death. And so for us who had so much to be able to give to them and to pour into their life, to change their life, to help save their life, perhaps even, is what matters more than anything in the world. This scripture to me just kind of makes it as clear as can be. In Amos 5, this is out of the Message Bible, verse 21 through 24. I want you to hear what God says about how much he cares about justice, how much he wants us involved in justice. It says, I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want, and that's all that I want. Could God make it any clearer? You know, you have an incredible opportunity this morning that Lad's going to come up and tell you about where you can make a huge difference in this country a huge difference in the lives of one of these kids in Swaziland. I'll tell you a real life story that just happened. And I, I tell these real life stories because it's what's going on all the time in Swaziland. There's this picture of this little beautiful baby named Baby Benjamin. And they um, are at a care point that's just down the road from Ekudzini, this one that you're going to, to be bringing into K2 and it's going to become a part of K2. You see that beautiful little boy and his, his mother there on the left. This is actually Laura Fisher, who's one of our staff members and her daughter, Haley. Well, they didn't have a, a church to help them. 
and they didn't have clean water. And so they were going to one of these places I described and she was getting water out of there and she was feeding it, letting baby Benjamin drink it. Last week, unfortunately, baby Benjamin passed away because he was drinking dirty water. These are real stories that happen. The whole idea of K2 embracing this community is to see that this never happens again. And not only that, from a Hope Chest perspective, we're not just after charity and aid. We don't want to just provide them with food and clean water, as important as that is. We have an entire development plan, a 10-year development plan that's going to help create jobs that are going on there. We started a leadership academy where there's mentors, business people in the community here in the United States. You can be a part of this with your care point. And in Swaziland, where they come alongside young entrepreneurs and they help them and they love them and they help them provide jobs in their community and help them become young business owners. So this is a full-scale thing of redoing the kingdom, redoing what God is, ha- is, is, is doing in Swaziland. And one of the things that's the most amazing thing ever is that Swazis believe one day they're going to be the pulpit of all of Africa. And you ask them why, and they say, because we're an insignificant country. We're all dying. 20% of our population are orphans. We have no hope but Jesus. And he's going to come to our rescue. And when he does, the whole world's going to see in all of Africa, and we are going to be the pulpit of Africa. That's the incredible opportunity that we all have a part, to be a part of today. So I want to close in prayer and I want to pray for you because I know that as the church, you guys are the hope of the world. That's us. And God stirs these things in us. Sometimes they're clean water things. Sometimes we're teachers and, you know, education in Swaziland is so important. It can change their life. Maybe God wants you to plug in there. Maybe he wants you to adopt somewhere. I don't know what he wants you to do, but I want to pray that God's voice would be so clear to you this morning. You know exactly what that is that God could use you for to change the life of someone else for all eternity. Pray with me. Father, we... um, I don't think we're going to fully understand what's going on in the kingdom and what you're doing uh, in this little country in Swaziland until we stand before you one day. But Lord, we know that it matters so much to you because you said when you even give a cup of cold water in my name, when you feed the, the hungry, when you clothe the naked, that that is like doing it to me. That's how much Jesus cares about the poor is it's like doing it to him. And so, Lord, for this thing that's been brewing and going on and all of the divine connections that you've created, Lord, may we hear your heart this morning and may we respond to the way you want us to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You too. Go out right this way. Oh, that way. Next service. Thanks all. Great being with you. Man, don't you guys love Tom? Crystal and I were still living and working in Swaziland when Tom came and uh, began to work there. And uh, I fully love what Children's Hope Chest is doing in Swaziland. Um, They are daily working with about 7,000 orphans in the country. And, And we are as a community, we are as a church going to be in one spot working with a couple hundred orphans and with one church. Uh, when God called us to Africa, he, I was teaching through the book of James and he, exactly what Tom said, impressed on me the fact that here's his word and he said, if you want to care about the things that God cares about, if you, if you want to pursue God in a pure way, then care about orphans and widows in their distress. And when we had numbers of Americans in Africa, we always taught out of Isaiah 58. And exactly what Tom said is true. That if you care, God says, if you care about the things that I care about, he said, if you care about the people I care about, if you care about orphans and widows and aliens or foreigners in their distress, God literally says in Isaiah 58, he says, I've got your back. 
I've got your back on the stuff in your life if you care about the people that I care about. And so as a church, today, we're just announcing that we intentionally, more and more, all the time, want to care about the people that God cares about. For you, you've heard about this big story. And my desire is that you'd be able to take a step into that story. And we want to share with you a couple ways that you can do that. A couple ways that you can take a step into that story. For some of you, and with the 1,500 people or so that are going to hear about this today, for some of you, you're going to hear about this for the first time. And your world is never going to be the same. Just like mine was when God spoke to me that somehow my relationship with him had to care about orphans and widows. You see, for you, it could be your neighbor. It could be that there's an orphan living right next to you, living with his grandparents, living with her grandparents. It could be that there's someone in your life that God calls you to take his love to like never before. It could be that God's calling you to a place like Africa, like Sally said in the video. From the time she was young, she knew that God was going to knit her into this story. She just didn't know exactly how. That could be you. God could be speaking that to you today. could be that your family today would hear God call you to, to start simply by saying, hey, I want to start praying for and, and sponsoring a little child like this little girl, Tema, right here. And, and you could go from here and say, you know what? I, we're going to be called to make a difference by praying and supporting the ministry to one child. And, and you could go from here and you could go out and, and either go up to the orphan uh, experience, which is on the second floor, um, or you could go out to the tents out here and, and pick up one of those kids and maybe look at a few of them and say, God, who am, I supposed to, who am I supposed to connect with? Who have you designed that I connect with here? And, and take one child and go right and register and become a sponsor for that kid. I want to just let you know that I... I love the work that we're doing in Swaziland. I love the work of CHC and completely trust them. Hey, buddy. You love me? I love you too. All right, cool. And and so today, we'd love for you to take a step. And some of you are just going to pray with us. You know, Dave's going to tell you even that this, this is just the first step. For us as a church today, this is the first step. This is the first thing to do. And, and in the future, there's going to be all kinds of opportunities. Today, won't you say, God, how am I supposed to, how are we as a family, how are we as a body supposed to reach out and care for orphans in their distress in this town of Swaziland? Sweet, man. You guys, I just want to um, yeah, say, first of all, I'm, I've just been so excited about what's happened here within our community just in the last few weeks. Um, it's so fun. I, I, just so you guys know, I mean, we, we very prayerfully and very deeply really seek God about what are we supposed to teach on and what are we supposed to be about and what are, how are we supposed to spend our Sundays because we really do believe that God leads this place and that he leads us in what we're supposed to be a part hey, of. sorry, bud. Oh, his, his mic's still on. <laughs> Don't go to the bathroom, lad. All right. So, uh, but um, these last three weeks of looking at this whole idea of at your service and looking at the very nature of God revealed to us through Jesus, as Lad said at the beginning of the service, that he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life away. That that really is the way that life is lived. 
And I, I just want to celebrate with you guys. So last week, and, and one of the cool things too in the scriptures, Jesus just told us this. He said, when you receive me and my spirit's living inside of you, he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So in other words, you're going to be my witnesses right in your most local place and then right outside of that. And then it's just going to keep rippling to the point where you go to the ends of the earth. And that's why we talked about just a few weeks ago that if you really have a servant heart, the first place we do that is we just serve each other. We just, we just love each other and we serve one another. And then last week, you guys just blew me away. Um, I am so thrilled to tell you guys that 280 of you have signed up for our service project this Saturday. Is that not awesome? Yes, it is. I mean, you see, that is so fantastic. I mean, they needed 180, and we put another 100 people on there. So, man, I just can't wait to be with you all. All of you who signed up this Saturday is going to be an absolute blast as we just let our local city know that we care and that we're here and we love. So, man, uh, just, just get geeked and pray for it. It should be a super day. And then outside of the 280 of you, another 100 of you signed up to help with these community centers, these after-school type projects and different things that the city offers. So not just a one-time deal, but you're saying, man, I want to invest. And I, we got done and, and looked at all the sign-up sheets, and I just thought, I, I just want to say, I think I can say this, I'm just really proud of you. I'm really proud of you as a church. And, and as a pastor, I just want to say thank you. Way to go. Because that is the heart of God that's getting revealed through Christ. And so now we do. So now we have this really, really cool opportunity for us to be able to say, okay, now what, how do we impact the world? And what's amazing is living in 2012, you guys, it, it, today we live in a global community. I mean, we know what's happening around the world like never before in history. We can actually have impact in the world like we never could before. The access to the world is ours and so as Lad shared with you, this, this first step of being able to say there are 206 kids in this place who need the support emotionally and physically and spiritually, and, and we're just so excited about that. So yesterday, I sat down Caleb, and uh, we pulled up all the little boys his age um, who, are, who are in this village, and uh, this is our little guy right here. Um, this is Beccatelli. So he ain't yours. He's ours, by the way. He, you won't find him out there. He's already been taken. And we're just... But we were so excited. Our girls came home and Susie and we just sat down. And what's amazing is this little boy was God's idea. I mean, God thought of him and God created him. And now in 2012, this funky family here in Salt Lake City is going to have the opportunity to financially support him so that he gets the education, that if he needs the medical assistance, so that he has housing issues, then we, we can take care of those. And we get to pray for this dude. We get to pray specifically by name for this little boy for the rest of his life. And then the coolest thing is I get to go meet him. I can't, I mean, that's what I told my, all my kids are like, I got to go with you. We're going to go, you know, because we, we, we're just, this guy is now a part of our family. And that's just, uh, that's just cool, so cool. And to know that God knows this, to know that God knew when Lad and Crystal were in Swaziland and that God knew when he was putting this heart into Sally and that God knew that first time the day feeling looked down there and felt the breaking of his heart, God knew about Beccatelli. And God knew that somehow we would be able to sponsor him and support him. He loves the world. He loves the world, but he loves the world through us. 
And so I'm just so excited to be that. So I just want to encourage you uh, again, man, when this service is over, to make sure you go through that orphan experience. And then just, if you're sensing today in your heart, it's like, you know, we're supposed to grab one of those kids. And a long-term commitment, a long-term commitment. Again, if you're into that, then invest in that today. But I just want, the last thing I want to say is, the other thing that's really exciting to me about this opportunity, you guys, is no matter who you are, there's going to be opportunity for you to bless this community. We already have some very cool business things that are being developed and going to be worked on. So whether you're in business or whether you're in medicine or whether you're in education or whether you're in discipleship, the fact that we're going to partner with this church or whether you love to just get your hands dirty and go in and build things, no matter who you are, no matter how you're wired, no matter what your passion and your giftedness is, there's going to be a place for you in this long-term partnership with this church, with this village across the world. And so, man, start praying and start opening your heart to see how God wants you to do that, all right? Today, though, the first thing, the first step will be taking those 206 kids and making sure that they know that they're loved. But, um, and so as we begin to worship, and, and, and just a, a great chance for you in this building right now to respond and just say, you know, God, when you move, I'm going with you. Because <laughs> I'm here for you. I'm not here for... This is, this is, the world doesn't revolve around me. The re- world revolves around you. And we can't wait to just pour our hearts and our lives and join him in loving the world. So would you guys go ahead and stand? Let's stand together and let's worship this God who loves you and who loves the world.